the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 392 for December 8th, 2013. AT&T announces cheaper postpaid plans, Verizon announces a substantial increase in capacity, and Apple closes in on a deal with China Mobile. My name is Mickey Papillon. I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first this week, a piece from the Wall Street Journal reports that police and other EMS dispatchers are having trouble routing responders to calls due to location accuracy. Most callers today are, of course, calling in from cell phones, 75% of us, in fact, and the data released earlier this summer showed that 38% of households have now dumped their landlines. Well, cell phone location data typically gets to 911 dispatchers in two stages. It initially provides the location of the cell tower being used by the phone, but of course, such towers cover wide areas and can overlap various buildings and cities. The second stage comes from GPS technology, in which is more accurate, but takes roughly 15 to 30 seconds before it's available to dispatchers. A big delay given that many 911 operators try to dispatch responders within an initial 60-second period from when the call is sent. Carriers say location data has actually become more accurate in the past several years as more have switched to GPS-based technology that can locate callers within around 50 meters or 55 yards. Now, with the older technology, it can be up to 300 meters, and even so, location accuracy is nowhere near where the public, of course, would like it to be. And this is kind of one of those topics that as, as we have gone through time here, you know, Obviously, when you initially had the regular phone systems and people called in, it was a very specific address that that phone number was registered to. And as mobile phones have become more prolific and we found ourselves using them for more. And, and you know, I hear statistics like 75 percent uh, of calls are now made to emergency services. It, it certainly makes sense. Uh, and and so there's there's a lot that goes into this. And it's, it's pretty interesting. And if you think back to like 10 years ago, before we really got into uh, all this location, you know, sharing and location finding uh it was when you called 911 from your cell phone if i remember correctly it went to the highway patrol because they didn't know what what else to do with it and so that's that's what calls were doing before so we actually have come a long way since then we really have yeah i remember calling 911 and uh for many years yeah it went right to the state patrol is the, the the how it always uh, handled it it was um you know something we've we've got we've got so much uh location accuracy with our um phones now that but on the mapping but that information doesn't get transmitted back to 911 that's what's really kind of you think that they know where you are because that's what you assume because you know we've heard so much about the you know e911 but this is not uh the information that they get they have to wait for the carriers to to actually build this information and get it sent and the gps to lock and it doesn't use that Wi-Fi location that we have. So obviously we maybe kind of need stage three here where your phone actually sends this information back if it's available. It's amazing to think about this, that we've got a, a type of technology here um, that in our phones that can get our locations within literally seconds. I mean, think about how long it takes when you pull up Google Maps or when you pull up you know, one of your location sharing apps like Foursquare or something like that. It knows where you are pretty darn quickly. And we're talking about up to 30 seconds that EMS responders have to wait to get your location. Well, and it's also coming down to, um, to things like uh, uh, the, the, the fact that we don't, 
not everyone has a smartphone, so there are still, you know, kind of dumber phones that have assisted GPS in them. And, and if you're indoors, getting a GPS lock is actually almost impossible because you can't actually see the GPS uh, satellites from indoors. So that's where a, I think a real big issue comes into play. They get the, the cell tower information immediately, but if you're in a dense area, I mean, that, that's, that covers miles and miles and miles. I mean, it could be hundreds of thousands of houses, uh, you know, people or population in, in, in that area. So it kind of does no good uh, in some respects. It's not like it's not like the old days, like I said, where you, you know, dialed 911 and, and instantly they had your your address where you were calling from. Well, and, and you, you mentioned it already, but certainly we talk about Wi-Fi and just the, the how important Wi-Fi is to location information today. Um, and it's, it's companies like Google that are going around and determining, you know, what access points are where. And so they can determine then where a person is based off of that. So it's essentially triangulation across uh, Wi-Fi. And I think that's something that could potentially be used in the future to, uh, to pass down more accurate location information, as could Bluetooth as well. We've got a couple of stories, including this next one here, where Bluetooth uh, could be one of the technologies that's used as well, just because it is such a low power technology that it actually gets you pretty dialed into where you are. And with that, the Bluetooth Special Interest Group this week on Wednesday announced Bluetooth 4.1. This is a revised spec that adds several new features to the short-range technology. The Bluetooth SIG characterizes this update as an evolutionary one that will have a significant impact on consumers. The new spec improves compatibility with worldwide LTE bands so that it won't interfere with connections as often. It also improves device-to-device connections, and devices with 4.1 on board can automatically reconnect to recently used devices upon coming back into range without requiring user feedback. The spec speeds up bulk data transfer rates as well, and information from sensors can be transferred more efficiently to other Bluetooth equipment when the user returns to range. The spec also future-proofs Bluetooth by laying the groundwork for IP-based communications. Bluetooth 4.1 devices will be able to set up dedicated communications channels, allowing them to integrate with the Internet of Things. The Bluetooth SIG didn't say when it expects 4.1 to reach end-user devices, but the hardware can be updated over the air to include the new features. The FCC on Wednesday approving a provision in Verizon's attempt to buy Vodafone Group's stake in Verizon Wireless. The FCC said that it is will be acceptable for more than 25% of Verizon's ownership to come from foreign investors after the deal closes. This was the only approval Verizon needed from the FCC, though the deal still requires shareholder approval. Verizon Communications agreed in September to buy out Vodafone's group stake in Verizon Wireless for $130 billion. Verizon will pay Vodafone primarily in cash and stocks. That deal is expected to close in the first quarter of 2014. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler on Friday shared some insight on how the FCC will proceed with the planned incentive auction for the 600 megahertz television spectrum. Wheeler said that the FCC wants to process the work smoothly for all parties and understands just how complex the process will be. Wheeler believes that the FCC can hold the auction in the middle of 2015 later than the FCC originally wanted to do that. The Washington Post this week reported that the NSA is gathering nearly 5 billion records a day on the whereabouts of cell phones around the world. This enables the agency to track an individual user throughout the day, virtually mapping out every location that the cell phone owner has visited. According to the NSA, the location tracking is an incidental side effect to data collection, although U.S. officials have deemed the practice lawful as data could, as- could assist in the development of the country's international uh, intelligence regarding foreign threats. There is no element of the intelligence community that is under any authority and is intentionally collecting bulk cell phone location information, said uh, the general counsel for the office of the director of the National Intelligence Agency. This is uh, pretty interesting stuff here. And if you think about that, what that means, five billion records around the world 
Think about there's only 7 billion people and we are quickly approaching the 100% concentration point for cell phones and the number of people that are on the planet. And uh, so what this means is that uh, there's a good chance that nearly every single person out there that is listening to this show is having their location to information gathered, even if it's inadvertently by the NSA. Yeah, it just seems like uh, just get everything. Uh, do all of your records, all your text messages, all your communications, everything you've ever contacted. It seems like that's kind of the, the way it's going. So uh, if you don't like your privacy invaded, tracked or uh, kept for all time, I suppose it's time to dump the smartphone or dump all cell phones altogether. I mean, even including prepaids here at this rate. It's uh, I don't think you've got any sort of protection, privacy or any anything like that uh, anymore. I think what one of the things that I was hearing about this is that this even can delve into some of those prepaid services, you know, the, the so-called burner phones where people are buying, you know, prepaid phones and using them and then throwing them away and buying a new one that they, this is not uh, immune from that because they can they can track and figure out where someone is going and, and kind of follow from phone to phone what what they're all about. Yeah, I suppose if you did use uh, the burner phones in, in that fashion where you really did uh you know use cash don't buy them from local locations only call one phone number once with it maybe uh you could stay anonymous from these things but you know how the, the you know processing the data and the calls triangulation not physically but based on the numbers you dial and the numbers you receive they can figure out who you are anyway it, you know if it's if it's a, a pattern that can be built up but if i suppose if you use it once or twice then you'd probably be okay I guess. But, you know, certainly it's it's not just the phone that you're calling from. It's what you're calling to. And they can easily track that kind of stuff back as well. It's it's un, um, it's unfortunate, but it's also very interesting, fascinating stuff to think about that. Just how easy that would be uh, with the right types of information and equipment. So keep that stuff in mind. Very interesting stuff there. Also, Comscore on Thursday releasing the results of its monthly survey for U.S. mobile phone users from the August through September period. That showed that Apple's smartphone market share rose to 40.6%. That compares with Android's 52.2% in the same period. For handset manufacturers, Apple still has the first place slot by a wide margin. Second place, Samsung holding the 25.4% stake in the market. Collectively, Apple and Google control 92.2% of the market, with BlackBerry and Symbian losing a share, while Microsoft's Windows uh, Windows Phone platform is up two-tenths of a percent. AT&T on Thursday announcing a new set of mobile share value plans, which went into effect on Sunday. That's today, December 8th. All mobile share plans now offer unlimited voice minutes, unlimited messaging and video chatting for one or more devices. Customers can choose the amount of data in which they want for their devices accordingly. AT&T has dropped many of the data buckets uh, with now having plans with as little as 300 megabytes per month on a, going all the way up to 50 gigabytes per month, even adding a new 8 gigabyte bucket between the 6 and 10 gigs that they had before the 300 meg plan starts at $20 a month which is the same as before but instead of adding $50 a month per smartphone customers will pay only $40 per phone the one gigabyte plan costs $45 two gigs is 55 and so on on up to the 50 gig plan which costs $375 a month the plans are available to new and old customers allow for up to 10 devices and include access to AT&T's Wi-Fi network tablets remain only $10 to add to each plan and feature phones are 
are only $20. Now, as part of the new plans, AT&T is also separating out the cost of service from the cost of the device, and customers who aren't subsidizing a device through their plan will only pay $25 rather than the $40 for a smartphone, so $15 less per month. Further, AT&T will automatically drop the monthly service charge down to uh, down by $15 uh, when a customer completes their contract, contract recognizing that the device has been paid off. An on-contract smartphone costs $40 to add to a plan, but devices being paid off through AT&T Next, devices that are paid for in for full price, and of course, cu- customers who bring their own phones are eligible for that $25 a month charge. So this is really, really fascinating that uh, AT&T did this. I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm very surprised on the, on the same token here because uh, the pressure of T-Mobile looks like maybe that uh, it's kicking in. Yeah, and I think this is a pretty good thing for obviously consumers. Less money is is certainly better, um, you know. And, and thinking about this in from the perspective of how does a consumer try and determine what it is that they're what plan they're going to choose, and if they see AT and T that is charging you know eighty dollars a month for the plan versus T Mobile, which is charging fifty dollars a month, it's really easy uh, to you know to choose where you're going to go, and it's it's probably really easy for AT and T to lose customers. So one of the things that has always been one of the sticking points with these these plans that they have is just how much money it costs, even if you're not on contract with them. And now they're taking that into account with these these new things here. And I think that's that's brilliant and, and extremely smart for them to be doing. Well, with kind of the slowdown in, in smartphone development, the need to replace the phone every you know one year to two years is actually diminishing. So if you go beyond this two-year aspect with your whatever phone you have, you can save money, especially if you can get like a Nexus five or nexus four or a used phone you don't have to pay that extra you know 15 to 20 dollars a month that that normally you would have to on a postpaid plan yeah and this is really one of those things that is going to uh is going to help at&t in the long run although it's it's a little bit less money each month i think someone may be choosing uh, let's just say more data as a result because they've got more options here now uh, or maybe choosing to stay with them because they know they can find a better deal uh or something that's comparable to what it is that they're you know would be getting going somewhere else so i, I think this all makes sense i really wonder now if uh, verizon's going to take this approach as well so uh that's that's pretty interesting to think about I mean, my thought is Verizon's probably will have to do this at some point, but it's not going to be soon. I, I, it's going to take them a while to uh, come to this conclusion, I think, because it's just, it you know, it, Verizon seems to be bigger and slower and, and kind of more, they like to do things a little bit more old school. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, if you do like the next plans, uh, they also announced that they now have an 18-month device upgrade option rather than 12 months. And according to AT&T, the value proposition behind the new plan is, of course, lower monthly payments for the device spread out over 26 months and let the consumers upgrade devices every 18 months for no down payment, no upgrade fee, no activation fee, no financing fee, uh, yada, yada. The new 18-month plan is available uh, starting today, the 8th. Uh, customers who finance their device with AT&T Next will receive the $15 monthly savings, of course, and the cost of their service. It's so nice to have this uh, the, the cost of the device split out from the service plan. I mean, this this is such a revolution here in the U.S. to be uh, moving in this direction. I mean, we talked about it for years and years and years and years and years when we really started going to this two-year plan. I mean, we were kind of recording the cell phone junkie here uh, right when this started kind of taking off, where all of a sudden two years was required for everything. And, and before that, 
it was all you bought the phone up front and you had a no monthly you know no monthly contract like on sprint it used to be you know we bought the startac there was no commitment it was just month to month and we've kind of gone full circle again we've bounced back to the, you know we're, we're getting that uh, getting back to that point so it's kind of neat to see because you really i mean the hardware is separate from the service yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, certainly if you think back to those devices, those were, uh, you know, feature phones, essentially, and those were $300 devices. And and think about that, that the cost that you're paying for the device hasn't actually changed. You buy, th- you know, a $300 smartphone today. Uh, that's what you paid, you know, 10 years ago. And it's there's so much more that's in there. They have to the, the cost is obviously more than that. And so that's where the, the subsidy comes in. So this just makes a whole lot of sense. And I I really think uh, I really think these are smart ways to go. And if you're a savvy consumer, and you shop around and you try and figure out what it is that you can do. Uh, this is this is this is great. So um, I'm looking forward to this and, and seeing how this all plays out. As an aside, uh, we're about to jump into Verizon news here. Um, I I'm excited because I just bought a new phone. Um, this is the first new phone that I've bought in actually quite a while. And uh, so this is the uh, I got the Motorola X. Uh, the Moto X is. Uh, was on special this past week. And in fact, if you're listening to this on Sunday or uh, late, uh, or excuse me, yeah, late Sunday, early Monday, uh, they will be releasing some additional promo codes here on Monday the 9th. Uh, where you'll be able to get $150 off the Moto X if you jump in line right away. So head over to Motorola.com to check that out. But yeah, $350 uh, custom design Moto X. I got the Verizon model, uh, 16 gig. It'll be here, should be this week. So I'm looking forward to that, trying out another Android phone. It's been a little bit. So uh, Joey, I know there's going to be a lot to learn about it, but I think I'm going to be pretty impressed. I think so, because there's there's been so much changes to Android since the last time you've used one. And uh, they've made huge uh, strides and tremendous upgrades and usability and features. I mean, they're 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 tough to compare almost these days because they're they've they've almost diverged a little bit as far as uh, what they can do and how they can do it. So it's going to be a it's going to be a fun experience. Yeah, and I can I can just hear about half the audience or let's just say fifty two point five percent of the audience going. Thank goodness, Mickey's getting another Android phone. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Verizon uh, this week uh, reporting from the Wall Street Journal, I guess, about Verizon that they're seeking to bid, uh, or that AT and T is seeking to bid on Verizon's unused seven hundred megahertz A block spectrum to complement its own. Uh, this could help bolster, of course, their LTE network. Last month, AT and T uh, was reportedly, along with T Mobile, interested in the same slice of spectrum. Verizon CFO. Fran Shamo confirmed that it would sell its A-block spectrum for the right amount. The company paid $2.4 billion for the airwaves when uh, it bought that back, and they're, of course, looking for a little bit more. Looks like $2.75 billion is what they're looking to sell it for when they find somebody that's interested. Well, in a report on Thursday from GigaOM, Verizon has recently activated LTE on its AWS spectrum in nearly a dozen markets. Verizon flipped the switch on AWS in New York City earlier this year, and it recently expanded that number to include many major metro areas east of the Mississippi, as well as a number along the West Coast as well. In the majority of these new markets, including Atlanta, Boston, Washington, D.C., and others, Verizon has tripled capacity, while in L.A. and San Francisco, it boosted capacity by 150%. The capacity increase comes thanks to the ability to operate now on 40 megahertz of spectrum. That's double the previous 20 megahertz available in the 700 megahertz band. And many of Verizon's existing handsets, including the Apple iPhone 
5S and 5C, Samsung Galaxy S4, Motorola Droid Max, Mini, and Ultra can all already access Verizon's AWS-based LTE network, and Verizon said software updates will add this functionality to others. Moving forward, most of Verizon's new smartphones will be able to reach LTE in both the AWS and 700 megahertz bands, and as part of the same press release, Verizon said that the planned voiceover LTE service that was expected to begin its rollout sometime this year is now delayed until 2014. Verizon, however, did not provide an explanation for the change in schedule. So I have just an iPhone 5, so I don't have the ability to access us on the phone or even check what band I'm connected to. I don't know if you can check which band on the iPad. I, I, I dug around, but I couldn't find any reason. But I did a speed test in LTE, and I'm still at the 5, 6 megabits, so there's no way I have that uh, additional service here in Minneapolis because the iPad Air does support that new band. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think the uh, the majority of those that are going to be buying new devices from here on out will see the you know the advantage of being able to take advantage to be able to use both those bands. And, and th- this is an important thing. And th- th- this was essentially what happened if you think back to uh, the original cellular networks. You know, when they initially were rolled out, they were all on the 800 megahertz uh, range. And as uh, you know, the carriers got bigger and they had more subscribers, they had to supplement that with other spectrum. And that other spectrum typically was in the PCS band, although AWS was used. Uh, a little bit there as well. So when you see these dual band devices uh, from 10 years ago where you had 800 and 1900 megahertz, that's what was going on. It depended on where you were and the amount of capacity they needed. So this is just the, uh, you know, kind of the result of what is going to be needed in LTE, 700 and now 1700 megahertz being used by Verizon. So great news there and uh, Verizon customers who were feeling the pinch there and uh, feeling the bottleneck of the slower speeds recently should see some reprieve here very, very soon. Ultra Mobile on Tuesday expanded its Ultra Zero plan to include a thousand free voice minutes to more than 70 countries around the world. The plan, first introduced in August, costs $19 per month and provides unlimited SMS to more than 190 countries. Some of the new countries include Australia, Brazil, France, Germany, Israel, Mexico, Portugal, South Korea, Spain, and Thailand. Ultra Mobile operates on T-Mobile's network and is marketed towards those who regularly communicate with people outside the U.S. T-Mobile recently uh, started to repurpose some of its spectrum it acquired with MetroPCS to supplement its LTE network. Late in November, T-Mobile turned on LTE service in what was formerly MetroPCS's spectrum in northern Dallas and was able to offer a 20 megahertz by 20 megahertz uh, set in the bandwidth available to consumers in an area when combined with its own spectrum. T-Mobile said that it eventually plans to offer similar LTE bandwidth increases to 90% of the country's top 25 markets. It hopes to offer 10 by 10 LTE to, to 40 of the top 50 markets also by the end of 2014. T-Mobile plans to launch a new limited time plan providing unlimited talk and text but no data, only $35 a month. The plan is live starting today and is available to T-Mobile pay in advance customers only. The T-Mobile Unlimited Talk, Text, and Web plan that includes 500 megabytes of 4G speed data starts at $50 per month. UK Mobile Operator 3 is extending its free roaming destinations beyond European markets, now supporting the US, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, and Macau. Three customers will be able to use their UK data, text, and calling allowance while in the US and 10 other countries for no additional cost. 3 is the first to provide free data calls and text roaming in the US and is similar to US carrier T-Mobile, who recently made the change to allow customers to roam around the world at 2G speeds. Along 3's roaming charges, or alongside their roaming charges, the carrier also confirmed it has started rolling out 4G services to some customers this week. The rollout will accelerate in January, says 3, and all customers are expected to gain 4G speeds with a compatible handset by the end of Q1. 
The Associated Press on Friday announcing that Apple plans to launch its iBeacon service at over 250 of its U.S. stores this week. iBeacon uses Bluetooth transmitters inside Apple stores to track the exact location of shoppers. Customers must download the most recent version of the Apple Store app, then turn on their Bluetooth radios in order for iBeacon to track them. When shoppers move about the Apple Store, iBeacon can sense if they're standing next to a table of iPhones, for example, and will send a message to ask if a customer is interested in an upgrade. The app can also uh, direct shoppers to a checkout counter or alert them when purchases are ready for pickup. Apple stores are also able to send alerts concerning sales or deals to shoppers in the vicinity. iOS device owners need to agree to allow Apple to track them in order for iBeacon to work. The app has been updated to allow the functionality already. And in, uh, upon opening the Apple Store app, users will be asked whether or not they want to install in-store notifications. The Apple Store app says that enabling the feature will allow notifications about orders, product reviews, and so on. Uh, so that you're when you're looking them at, at them in a store, in order to receive the iBeacon notifications, Bluetooth and the background app refresh must be enabled. I know this seems kind of creepy and weird. Oh, they're tracking you through the store, but they've already done that for years with video cameras. They've done that for years with people watching you. They've done that for years, even, you know, I, I, maybe not for years, but recently there's plenty of ways to actually track you with Wi-Fi. If you've got Wi-Fi on your phone, you know, it sends out, you know, searching for signal. Uh, Bluetooth does the same thing. That's how a lot of traffic maps now. If you look at your, you know, metropolitan area, you'll see traffic uh, patterns on the, the map, you know, whether red, green, blue on Google Maps, that's done with Bluetooth and wi- Bluetooth and Wi-Fi of drivers going by. That's how they figure out the speeds because they, they can, you know, see which where each device is down the line at these receivers. So it's uh, it's nothing new and it's, uh, you know, potentially could offer uh, an actual better shopping experience for somebody that's going into an Apple store, for example, in this case, because uh, I know whenever I go in there, I'm not really I don't really like being in there. So it, this this could be something that helps that. I was actually in an Apple store just a couple hours ago, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, interestingly, it was I didn't get any of these because, of course, I, I opened up the app and I, I accepted it. And I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. Send me the notifications. Um, and then I realized uh, just a couple of minutes ago as I was reading back through the story. Of course, I didn't have Bluetooth on because I don't have Bluetooth on unless I'm using it. So so you don't it have Bluetooth on. Why did you just leave it on? I never use it. The only time I use it is when I'm in a car and I don't, actually don't drive all that often. So. I don't, I don't ever use it. There's no reason to have it on if I'm not using it. I turn off Wi-Fi a lot, too, because I bounce around so many different uh, so many different hotspots. It causes a lot of problems. So oh, yeah. Yeah, I turn it on and off probably, I don't know, five, six times a day, all the Oof. time. All the Ouch. time I'm in the control center. Very, so. Yeah, very rarely do I. But, of course, it's a lot easier to do now. So. It is. It absolutely is. So interesting stuff there, though, and uh, have fun if you're going into an Apple store. Play around with iBeacon. Apple and China Mobile are close to signing a deal to start selling iPhones, according to the Wall Street Journal. China Mobile has secured licenses to operate 4G LTE service in China alongside other mobile operators and will launch the brand new uh, 4G network at a December 18th event. The iPhone 5S and 5C will then be available in China Mobile stores, although the actual iPhone launch for the carrier has not been confirmed. Apple is expected to sell an additional point. 5 million iPhones per month through China Mobile and up to 20 million units per year following the deal. The two parties have been in negotiations for several years as Apple was having concerns with China Mobile's unreliable 3G network and China Mobile unhappy with Apple's insistence on sales volume guarantees. China Mobile says that they have signed no such deal, though, and in a Reuters article, they said that they are still negotiating with Apple, but for now they have uh, nothing new to announce. Apple declined to comment as well. Yeah, I think these days the the negotiating power of Apple has diminished significantly compared to when they first launched. I mean, it was 
you know, one thing where they were able to tie up exclusive agreements like they did here in the U.S. with AT&T, but, you know, there's so much healthy competition now, but uh, I just don't think they can support that anymore, and carriers just won't agree to it. Yeah, and here's here's the thing you have to realize, too, is that if you wonder why China Mobile is a big deal, uh, analysts say that it has the wealthiest subscriber base in all of China. Uh, up to 10% of its customers will be uh, potential iPhone buyers. It's also the largest carrier in the world. Get this, 740 million subscribers. So there are more than two times as many subscribers on this one carrier as the whole population of the U.S. And of the reports that we're reading as well, 42 million customers of those 740 million already own iPhones that they purchased from other sources. That's just staggering, those numbers. Yeah, more people using phones, iPhones on China Mobile than all of T-Mobile's customers combined. <laughs> and these are people that, of course, didn't even have an ability to buy them through the carrier. So it uh, could be a, a pretty big windfall for Apple here uh, once these uh, finally get announced. Well, Oppo on Monday announced that it will offer its N1 Android smartphone to U.S. consumers beginning December 10th. Oppo is a Chinese hardware manufacturer that will sell the N1 with a choice of operating systems. Consumer can Consumers can either pick Oppo's Color OS Android skin, Cyanogen Mod, or both. The phone will allow users to switch from Color OS to Cyanogen Mod with no hacking required. Features of the N1 include a swiveling 13 megapixel camera, six or excuse me, 5.9 inch 1080p HD display, a 1.7 gigahertz Qualcomm Snapdragon uh, 600 processor, two gigs of RAM, and either 16 or 32 gigs of of storage the phone will cost six hundred dollars unlocked and contract free that'll be a tough uh tough one to compete with the likes of like this moto x deal you've got and of course the the nexus 5 where it is very easy to put on cyanogen mod but 600 bucks that's going to be a tough one to swallow but it's uh it's pretty neat to have kind of a uh an open style device like this I guess it is. I mean, personally, I, I don't have a lot of interest in that, but I know a lot of people do like tweaking and playing around and stuff like this. So yeah, it's uh, it is interesting, and you know, certainly you've got uh, you've got if you've got an audience and you've got people that are willing to do it, may as well just put a product out and, and see how it goes. A couple of software pieces here this week: Google updating a number of Android apps. Google Voice Search has learned new languages, including French, German, and Japanese, in addition to its English. Also, Google updated Play Music. Uh, Play Music now lets you store cached music on SD cards for devices running. Android 4.4 KitKat. Play Music has the added ability to shuffle all songs from an artist and made it simpler to share links to songs, artists, and albums to various social networks. Both apps are, of course, free to download from Google Play. Google also this week began pushing an update to the Nexus 5 that will provide a variety of fixes to the phone's camera performance. According to The Verge, Google's director of engineering for Android said that the update will focus on improving the speed of, ca of the camera across the board. The out-of-focus function now dials much faster, and the camera is faster to launch. Google made other adjustments to the uh, camera to improve contrast, low-light performance, exposure, and white balance. It also added a progress bar to the HDR mode. Burke said that Android 4.4.1 presents the first of several forthcoming updates to the native Android's camera software. It hopes to make the user interface and controls more intuitive down the line. And HTC on Thursday announcing a promotional plan that will allow consumers to finance the cost of its HTC One over 24 months. Consumers with good credit can order the One through HTC's website for no money down and make payments over 24 months at $25 a month. That totals $600 over two years. The model comes with 32 gigs of storage and Android 4.4 KitKat. 
Questions and comments this week. First up, a comment from Vinny. He says, guys, just listen to the most recent podcast with you describing the very slow data speeds on Verizon. I experienced the same issue, and I've had both Verizon and T-Mobile for years. My speeds on Verizon dropped from 25 megs down and 5 megs up to under 5 megs down uh, and up 2 megabits per second up. And that, that to me, is pathetic. I have a grandfathered and limited data plan, but still drop them. My T-Mobile account has always given me very fast HSD, uh, HSPA plus data speeds, 15 megs down and 7 megs up. My area has also been refarmed with the 1900 megahertz radio frequencies and LTE advanced. Uh, my uh, T-Mobile HSPA plus speeds are still over 15 megs down and my LTE speeds have gone from 20 megs down and 15 megs up to 35 down and 15 up. I've never been happier with my carrier and now uh, and I've been with them all. Um, I have an iPhone 5S with 16 gigs internal storage and white uh, and silver. Great phone. I've always been a longtime Android hacker. And by listening to your show, I just had to see what iOS was all about. Let me say one thing about the iPhone. Just dying for the jailbreak to happen. Bought the Note 3. What a beast. I love it. Love the S Pen. Uh, It's fantastic. The Note 3 is the best smartphone made. No other device even compares to it. But my reason for this email is actually to mention uh, about Verizon and the bottleneck data problem. And this has been an issue for over a year. My real unlimited plan from T-Mobile without any data data throttling and added tethering cost me $80 a month. Their speeds are getting faster and their plans keep getting better. Thanks for the great show, guys. Vinny. Yeah, and I've, I've heard kind of the same thing from lots of people that this uh, T-Mobile service has been really, really impressive. And uh, it, it's kind of almost like what they did with the, the 3G rollout where they really launched with hardcore data speeds with the 42 megabit network long after everybody else went to 3G, but they were able to kind of come in late in the game and just kind of blow by everybody. And it looks like they're almost doing the same thing with the LTE here with with just, you know, great speeds and, of course, great prices. Yeah, and that's the thing is that they really offer a good value for the most part, and they're providing a, a pretty exceptional experience. So uh, definitely if you're someone who is interested in, in taking a look at what uh, other carriers there are out there that uh, maybe if you live in an area that's got te- good T-Mobile service, that's the other part of this too, uh, you're going to probably see uh, some pretty great speeds and save a few bucks along the way. So great news. Uh, and thank you, Vinny, very much for, uh, for validating this and sending in the email. Yeah, exactly. And your uh, note, the, the, the comments about the Note 3, to me, that does seem absolutely fascinating and such a device that I would really, really, really look at uh, if I was going to switch to Android or needed something more like that for portable note taking style if i needed a device like that that would be the first thing i'd look at just because uh you know the rave reviews and just the the quality features that it does include um jailbreak for the ios boy it's uh it seems like it's getting close but uh not quite yet for the five yeah i'm not not yet we'll see we'll see how that goes but uh yeah i personally i i've I've not done a jailbreak in many many years so i haven't even really been following where it's at and I just don't, uh, you know, for me, I guess everything that Apple's added has taken away all of the the demands for me to use uh, the jailbreak. Like now that uh, with the, the, the shared plan, there's no tethering. That was the big thing for me was tethering is the only reason why I ever jailbroke or uh, did the Android, uh, the cracking with the super users for tethering. Yeah, which, yeah, again, no big deal now. So you can just do it and uh take advantage of using all that data but understanding that people are using more than the you know four six eight gigs a month and uh you know may want to not pay 
an arm and a leg for it and just stick with our unlimited plans. Totally understand that. That's uh, that's great. Uh, next up here, a question from Joseph. In your recent show, you mentioned that uh, the carriers have completed uh, their databases of MEIDs and IMEIs to prevent reactivation of stolen phones. My question is, what happens when you have a phone that was originally on one carrier but sold to someone and is now using it on another carrier? That would affect me as I bought an iPhone from a friend of mine and the phone was originally on AT&T, but my friend contacted AT&T and got the iTunes authorization to unlock it and is now using it on T-Mobile. So if I was to report the phone stolen, would I contact my home carrier T-Mobile or the original carrier, which was AT&T? Uh, well, Joseph, this is a great question. And honestly, it has not been addressed yet. Uh, the press release announcing the database creation doesn't get into any details like this. Uh, it really doesn't get into much detail at all. So no idea how situations like this are going to work. Call your carrier, the one you've got service with currently. Because, yeah. yeah, because then they would just they would add that to the database because you're an account holder. They could verify you that that would be the best way to go. I, I wonder here if, if we're going to see, you know, some confusion like this, uh, you know, and other things that are going to come up, because obviously there is going to be a lot of this where people are grabbing phones and bringing them from carrier to carrier. And uh, with LTE, the way that it is today, I mean, there's easy. It's pretty easy just to bring a phone uh, over and, uh, you know, swap the SIM and, and, and be be on your way. So uh, it's great. It's great for that regard. But uh, great question there, Joseph. Yeah. As soon as we hear anything about this, we'll we'll uh, follow up with that. But uh, nothing that I know of at this point. But I guess Joe. Joey's advice is, uh, is, is as good as any right now to uh, to heed there. Just call your own carrier. Next one is a comment from Remington. He says, Mickey and Joey was reading how AT&T will allow customers to have unsubsidized phones and pay the $15 lower rate than the current mobile share plans. As a consumer, I think that's a joke compared to the AT&T Go phone and IO wireless plans. However, over a two-year period, you save $360, which is greater than the $325 you pay, terminating with less than a month of service. From that perspective, it does not seem like a bad deal but this is not comparable to the prepaid options some of which use the same network and or have roaming sincerely remington great comment there as well i mean certainly prepaid is still the cheapest option it just takes a little bit more uh work on the consumer's part to figure out what to use here it's really easy to go into an at&t store buy a phone activate it and walk out the door you don't have to deal with anything else Exactly. And you pay, you know, you pay little. I mean, depending on which device you get, you pay nothing or you pay 200 bucks for an iPhone, which is amazing when it is a $650 device. So it, it really is, you know, you're putting more work into the front end, basically trying to get prepaid or you have to, you know, maybe buy a more expensive phone or you get a lower quality one. But yeah, it really, it is something you have to be a savvy consumer and really kind of look at the deals and like you did here, figure out exactly what you pay and what you save and to your contract and this. And if you're somebody who likes flagship phones every two years, being on Verizon or AT&T full price, doesn't matter because you're paying that for that subsidy. And in fact, you know, some in some cases you're actually getting a, a you know, we have been getting better deals on Verizon if you get the flagship phones over something like a uh, you know, a smart feature phone or something like that, because literally you're paying way, way more uh, for that device than you would be for an iPhone. Or, or let me flip that around and say it more. Uh, a Verizon is is helping you buy that device more than they are for like a cheap phone. And I, I, you know, I personally like the idea of bringing your own device and being able to use it and not having to deal with any of the, you know, any of the other stuff that's around. And, uh, you know, I guess for me, I just the way at the time when I bought the iPhone and, and this is where I'm at right now, it, it just was it was the easy way to go. And so that's what I did. Um but the, you know, in theory, I really like the idea of not having to do anything other than, uh, you know, pay a carrier for the service that I'm using, 
and and nothing more and having no phone you know amount tied to that or you know being under the gun of whatever that contract is so uh totally agree with you remington and uh, thank you for pointing that out that it is not as great of a deal as of course they would have you expect finally today a question from kevin he says mickey and joey have a uh, have my promo code for the moto x but not sure if i should get the 16 or 32 gig model i'm looking toward the future and if i sell it would i be able to get my money back uh basically would i make that 50 bucks back the difference in price thanks kevin um p.s mickey i'm glad you were able to get away and uh, get your moto x i think it's a better choice than the moto g with no lte well Here's what I will say. Uh, I ordered the 16 gig model. I, I do not plan currently to use this as my primary device. So let me just put that, say that right away. So uh, I'm planning to use it essentially as a secondary device. I'll add it to my account and uh, go from there. But of course, it's not going to require any sort of, um, you know, any sort of contract or anything since I paid for it outright. But it's not, again, it's not going to be the primary device. And what that means is I'm not planning to store a whole bunch of stuff on it. I'm not planning to load it up with music or videos or really anything. So to me, it was the $50 was not even worth the 50 bucks. Um, that said, if you're looking to get it and and, and hang on to it for a while and you want to use it as the primary device and maybe you don't have a tablet or another phone like that, absolutely go for 32 gigs. It's only 50 bucks. It'll be well worth it. Yeah, in this case, I wouldn't worry so much about resale because it it probably won't uh, be worth $50 on the back end. Uh, from my experience, just recently looking at iPhones and selling iPhones, uh, uh, some 4S models, it's only like 10 to $20 difference for the extra jump. That's $100 even on the iPhone side of things. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for a $50 Android, it's going to be five, five, six bucks is all it'll be worth extra. So uh, get the cheaper one. Yeah, and I would say with that, if you are, um, you know, again, if you, if you think you're going to be someone that's going to need it. Think about what you have, uh, what kind of size phone you have right now. I think you've got the iPhone 5, if I remember right, Kevin. So um, what size do you have? Do you have 16 gigs? Is it good enough? Um, you know, if it's not, then of course go for 32. If you've got 32 and it's too much, uh, maybe go for the 16 gig. So I've got the 32 gig iPhone right now, iPhone 5. And uh, let me just pull it up real quick while we're talking, because I can tell you I am almost positive I am not using uh, nearly as much space on it as I would think. And uh, that, is, that is a pretty, pretty telling thing. Yeah, I've got 18.3 gigs available, so I would still have uh, over two gigs available if I would have chosen the 16 gig model. Yeah, and I'm kind of kind of in that exact same uh, range as you are, Mickey. Yeah, and well, <laughs> and here's the thing. Joey bought a new iPad Air and... Uh, you, you you were gonna get the thirty two or you were gonna get the sixty sixty four yeah I was gonna get the sixty four but it but it was sold out or you couldn't get it or what what happened there they, yeah they didn't have any it said they didn't they didn't have any available because I woke up at that two two in the morning to uh, reserve one at the local store so so then I'm like ah oh, I'll just go for the next model up why not and and how much space do you have available on there right now. Uh, there's like 98 gigs, free. <laughs> 98 gigs free. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. But I guess, you know, for somebody who wants to put a, just a ton of stuff on it, you know, it makes sense. And if this is going to be something where it is a it is a lifeline for you, this is one of the primary devices that you're using and you really need to store a lot on it. That makes all the sense in the world to go with that. Personally, for me, it just absolutely did not. And so um, I, I just cannot, um, I, I did, just couldn't justify getting something that big. So um, anyway, that that's that. But uh, Kevin, I would just say, you know, take that advice, do with it what you want, uh, and then choose whatever it is that you think is best. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can send us email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call, 206-203-3734. We'll get anything that you have on a future episode. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard 
visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com. <laughs>